Yes, hello and welcome everybody to the 28th episode of the Mod Extra podcast. We are two enormous man nerds caught in a constant state of arrested development who just love nerding out over TV and movies and computer games and action figures and trading cards and comic books and board games and... Well, basically, you name it. But this is a podcast all about the movies and TVs bit. I'm Chris, otherwise known online as the True Mr. Six, and that geezer over there is Andy, a.k.a. Borley. Borley? Paulie. It's Paulie, but in a gangster accent. Oh, Paulie. Paulie. Everybody was called Peter or Paulie. And this Uh, is Peter or Paulie. Even I forget. And they were all married to Maria. I think you might know all the lines. <laughs> I do know the film very, very well. I thought you said Borley. I was like, is that some kind of s- spherical version of Warley? <laughs> Borley. <laughs> Barley. Boink, boink, boink. <laughs> the next Disney Pixar adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's the sequel. Barley. I'm going to have to raise my chair. Oh, there we go. Um, yes, welcome, folks. Here we are. Yet another episode of the Mod Extra podcast. Some may say, how do they find the energy? How do they find the time? How do these incredible gentlemen manage to churn out so much content? Got no lives, in it? Yeah, no, just we're just, like, really sad. I was cataloging kind of the other day, like, all the various sort of nerdy things. I have in my life Hmm. and came to a realization that basically all my things are nerdy things. I don't have a non nerdy thing. Do you not? No. Uh, I made a video for the mod extra games and collectibles channel about uh, a trading card collection that I bought back in the nineties and I completed uh, a near full set. And I did a video about it. I was like, right. Okay. Well, there's another thing. Trading cards, (laughs) (laughs) trading cards, big old blu-ray collection your music's not particularly nerdy is it well i suppose i would argue that i am nerdy about the music if you know what i mean but it's not a stereotypical nerdy thing no i suppose not i think we talked about this before though i said like everyone's nerdy about something it's just not always necessarily labeled or identified as being nerdy oh yeah so if, you, if you're mad about tractors, as we discussed recently, then you might be a bit of a tractor nerd. It is interesting, though, how, like, um, for like in North America, for example, baseball fans, you've got guys who are really deeply obsessed and embedded into, uh, like, uh, fantasy league culture. You know what I mean? Stat analysis and... Uh, picking your teams and there's a social element attached to it as well in there way where they get together and do trading sessions and stuff and um using websites and stuff and that's really nerdy it has all the same behavior yeah. but people don't say it's nerdy no nah, it's not like fantasy football over here yeah but you did have stato he was a nerd yeah, that's true. Is Although that they they sort of leaned into that, didn't they? Put the glasses on him and his. Uh, um, uh, did he wear a dressing gown? I feel he like did he did wear, wear a dressing, dressing gown. gown. Yeah, <laughs> Stato, Stato. Oh, that's a blast from the past. 
I didn't really watch it all that often, as I'm sure you'll be surprised to know. Only if they had a good musical guest. Indeed, absolutely, yeah. They used to have a lot of uh, Britpop band guys all the time on there. So I used to watch it when there was, uh, you know, the likes of Noel Gallagher or um, that geezer from Cast was on there, wasn't he? Or uh, Ian Brown or whatever. Some very cool people there. They're not nerds. Mm. No, but are, yeah, but are they though? Like that's like the music scene. There's you've got vinyl nerds, who like vinyl collectors who are big old vinyl nerds. There's music archivists. Did I tell you about the guy? Uh, patented Chris Tangent here. Tell you about the guy that I heard about the other day. So, um, I've got a little fascination with, with the concept of lost media. Again, something I'm sure I've brought up before. Um, and there's a music journalist out in the States. I forget his name or what, what publication he writes for, but he's a music journalist. And in his downtime, bearing in mind his day job is being a music journalist, in his downtime, he was collecting every single that had appeared in the Billboard Top 100 since they started publishing the Billboard Top 100. Oh, word. Yeah, so he's got this huge room, racks and racks and racks of vinyl LPs. He... He trades, he tours the country, he goes to, you know, record fairs and stuff, trying to track down these singles. A lot of them weren't for sale. You could only get them for, uh, they used to make them for jukeboxes and things. And so uh, he's, he's been on this mission and he's discovered a number of songs. I can't remember how many, but he's discovered a number of songs that have been in the Billboard Top 100, but you can't get hold of them. You can't buy them. They don't exist. It's weird. In, in a hard copy form. So how did they actually get into the Billboard Top 100? Well, so they'll have been bought by, for example, a bulk purchase that will have gone uh, uh, given to the armed forces, for example. Okay. And sent overseas, and then they've long since you know, just disappeared. Um, or it'll have been, like I say, in jukeboxes and such like. But he can't find this song anywhere. Can't find it. What a strange man. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He's nerdy about music, so he can be nerdy about anything. Sounds a lot like he's just trying to justify being a nerd. No, I don't need to justify being a nerd. I'm loud and proud, me. Speaking of being loud and proud, what have you been up to these last two weeks? Oh, we're starting with me this week, are we? I think we should. <laughs> give you um, give you a little respite from going first. Yeah, okay. Uh, so let's. I'll start with the movie. Uh, I watched the new Idris Elba film, although not really Idris Elba's film, uh, The Harder They Fall, which is on Netflix right now. Any good? Yeah, I mean, all right-ish. Uh, if, we, if we're giving it a grade out of five, I'd say it was a maybe a three, three and a half. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting one. So the, the the concept is pretty straightforward. It's a, a Western. There's these two uh, gangs. The um, All of the characters are based on historical black um, Western outlaws. Um, who. So it's not a true story, but they've used um, these real personas these real individuals right. from history um and so it's it's essentially an effort to try and tell a black western and to acknowledge the fact that actually there was a 
a strong presence of black culture in Western society, you know, out in the wild west, but um, under-recognised and under-acknowledged, um, which is all fine, very admirable, uh, no issue with that. He's got a great cast. The, uh, I mentioned Idris Elba. Jonathan Majors plays the main character. It's got Zazie Beetz in it, who was um, uh, Domino in Deadpool. Oh, cool. Yeah, so uh, lo- lots of good faces. Uh, it's got, uh, oh, what's the name now? I've just gone completely blank. She's super famous as well. She was in Watchmen. Regina uh, King. Okay. Regina King. Um, so, yeah, great cast. Um, it's a bit kind of Quentin Tarantino light. You can sort of tell that the uh, the writer-director has drawn inspiration very heavily from that sort of 90s Sundance Film Festival sort of Tarantino-esque style. Uh, but he's not as good at it as Tarantino, and so it right. falls a bit short in the dialogue. It's not. It's not. It, it could have afforded to have the script punched up a bit and made it a little bit more whip smart. Um, but I certainly wasn't bored. So, um, not a bad one, but not a great one either. And like a week later, now I only have a very ra- vague recollection of it. If you know what I mean, it's not like lived firm in my memory. Mm. Yeah, uh, so that was interesting, curious, uh, something new. Uh, big fan of Idris, Idris Elba. He's following a cool his dude. Yeah, I love The Wire, love Luther. Um, he's been in an incredible number of films. I met him very briefly once. Did you? Yeah, very briefly. Um, so the organisation that I was working for, he had a advertising partnership with us. He did. Yeah, and so I met him very briefly at like one of these meet and greet type things. But that was like before he was like super famous, though. No, he was pretty. He was pretty. I think he was pretty well established at that point. Okay, cool. <clears throat> um, I mean, I don't think he'd been Heimdall or um any of the other bigger roles that he's played, but in like the Fast uh, what and the, the Furious. But he was in the Fast and the Furious. He's in Fast and the Furious, uh, Hobson Shaw. Oh dear, well, I'm the main baddie. You may have just dropped in my estimation then. Oh, don't you dare. As a guy who makes questionable choices. I've made a decision about our next movie. (laughs) All right, okay. (laughs) Or maybe that's just a threat. (laughs) Um, Well, not really, because I could just not watch it. <laughs> and, and sit the whole podcast. Sit the whole way through the segment going, nah, didn't want to watch it. Crap. <laughs> nah, not interested. Nope, no thank you. Um so yeah, that was that was that. That was that. Um then jumping over to the TV side, uh, another Netflix one here. This is a, another curious one. Uh, an animated series called Arcane just started last week. Um, the first three episodes. They, in fact, they're doing it in three three-episode bunches, which I think is interesting. Because hmm. I'm just like, why not just make a trilogy of films and put put the three films out? <laughs> but anyway, um, now this is based. This cartoon is based on the League of Legends computer game. Oh, okay. So all the characters in it are all League of Legends characters. But not being a guy who plays League of Legends, um, the and certainly not engage with the lore of the game i was less interested in that it just the animation just looked amazing i thought i'd give it a try and i've dabbled on legends of rune terror the card game so i had some 
familiarity with who the people are. Um, so I jumped two feet in and thought, give it a go. They're like 40 minute cartoons, so three of them got me through a night kind of thing. And it's really fucking good. Is it? <laughs> really good. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that maybe I'm, I'm not a deeply. You know, a deeply like a community guy around League of Legends and really into it, uh, and just a casual passerby, maybe even added to it more because um, the the story unravels in a really interesting way. That the animation is mind blowing, like really mind blowing. It's incredibly well put together, um, but it had a very strong story, very strong voice cast. Uh, really good script just all tied together really nicely so it's set in this kind of this mystical world universe um it focuses on a city that's in two halves uh pitlover and zorn um and the pitlovens live in a you know lovely palatial you know that's uptown as it were and there's and the zorn folk live in a shitty scummy slummy kind of place um, and it tells the story of a of a bar owner who's basically adopted all these orphan kids, and the orphan kids start mixing it up and getting into a bit of trouble in the in the fancy end of town, which then kicks off a chain of events. Okay, cool, and that's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. And I would definitely, I would definitely say if you've ever watched, uh, I don't know, like uh, the Legends of Korra or the Dragon Prince, uh, some of the more kind of serious more mature narrative animated series then this would this would appeal to you for sure 100 cool. but it's not it's not an, it's not an adult animated series in the sense of um you know like we've talked about rick and morty in the past you know it's not adult in that mm. sense it's adult in the sense of it's mature it's a very mature storyline like akira yeah although perhaps not quite as bloody with the violence right yeah but yeah very good uh, like i say 40 minutes long first three episodes dropped last week uh, the next three episodes will be out by the time this episode goes out on monday um and i'll be i'll be jumping into the next three faux shizzle yeah. cool beans so there's arcane and then finally on the tv front uh, there's been a few more episodes of foundation i mentioned this one a few episodes back it's the apple tv kind of sci-fi epic um, based on the Isaac Asimov book series. Um, it's ticking on pretty well, although it's now started to suffer a little bit from a problem that I used to find with Game of Thrones, um, which I know you didn't watch, so this might yeah. be a bit meaning- meaningless to you, but some of the folks listening may, may be buying what I'm selling. So Game of Thrones, what, what happened eventually? The, the very early doors in the storyline, there's a big event that sort of separates and spreads a lot of the characters out. We, we already had a couple of narrative storylines going on, but eventually they're just all the people are spread all across the realm of Westeros with all their various different things going on. Um, and, and you're always waiting for them all to kind of reconverge. You want the storylines to start converging and yeah. to make sense of it all because we the audience can see the connections between what's going on in one storyline to another uh, but it was always problematic because what it meant was like in a in a 45 to 50 minute episode of game of thrones because they had so many characters spread out across so many different things going on all the time 
uh, an episode would either focus on moving one particular element forward a great deal, or you'd just get like seven minutes of each thing. Hmm. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Uh, and then throw in the fact that sometimes that seven minutes would just be them walking. Oh, I need to go visit this person in that castle over there. We better get going. Okay. Seven minutes of them walking to wait until they finally, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, I, I watched a couple of the early seasons. I watched some, I remember that there was a, a period of time when the Tyrion Lannister and the bloke that was supposed to be the protector of the Queen of Dragons mm, yeah. were in a boat, and they were in a boat a lot. Yeah, yeah. Or Jon Snow. Need, I need to go north of the wall. Three episodes of him walking north of the wall. He gets there, has a <laughs> yeah. five minute has a five minute conversation with the dude that he needs to go see. You better go back to the wall. All right, I'll go back to the wall. Three episodes of him walking back, and and it's because it's it's they're, they're allocating. They're very carefully having to allocate and apportion their episode time to each storyline. Um, you know, Bran trekking across on his way to becoming whatever, you know, oh, it's Bran, Hodor, walking Hodor. through, Hoding, walking through a wood again. That's fun. Oh, there's a brief bit of conversation that which reveals nothing, doesn't move any of the storyline forward. Uh, and Foundation is suffering from that a little bit. It's not quite as bad, but they, what they've started to do is spread the characters out. We've got these different storylines. It's jumped forward in time a little bit as well. Right, in, in sort of telling the next phase and I was just feeling a little bit like I know that that's going on there is somehow connected to that that's going on there but the characters in both those storylines are very caught up in what's happening in the moment so and that's great you know there's drama and action and stuff happening but you're not moving there's no momentum towards drawing those two storylines together so that the characters can sense the same connection that I can sense as the audience member, because I've got more information than them. Um, and so I'm just a bit concerned. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm a bit like, Oh, and now they've just thrown another character onto another planet. I'm like, right. So is that another, is that like, <laughs> is that another thread that you're going to make us have to engage with? And now they're starting to have to carve their episode time up around the different storylines. Um, I, I start to feel very unsatisfied when there's things aren't getting resolved or there's not movement forward. Yeah, I can get that. Yeah. But again, production values, amazing, great cast. Um, there is there is stuff that happens every episode. They're not slow burns. They're, there's things that are going on to keep you engaged and entertained. It's just they keep adding new elements in. I'm like, well, that's all very interesting and exciting, but I need to understand better how that fits into this big picture because I think Foundation, same as Game of Thrones, made a mistake in some respects by opening up saying, this is big. This is universe-changing epic events you're going to be watching unfolding in front of your eyes. And the narrative for the first couple of episodes really sold that. Mm. But now I need to start seeing universe-changing shit going down. Uh, and when you compare it to like The Expanse, where universe-changing shit really does go down, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, you're like well, come on. I need a, I need a bit more pace. Yeah, that is a good paced series. Yeah, it is absolutely, and I would say there's some similarities in some respects between the Expanse and the Foundation. Cool. Yeah, and there we go. There's there's my three. I mean, I've I've seen a few other bits, but it's all kind of oldy, old stuff. That's the that's the new, the new, 
Yeah. Cool beans. Oh, hello. That should be on silent. And he's had an email. Cool. So, my turn. Um, so, I watched the first episode of uh, Why the Last Man. Oh, yeah. Thought it was good. I've not watched any more yet. Um, so, that's oh. nice. That's it. That's curious. I've, I've not bothered moving any. F- I've given up. It's been cancelled. Is it? Is it? Is it yeah. the series not even going to finish? Yeah, it's not getting a second season, so I'm just like, meh, all right. <laughs> okay, I'll probably watch it just for the the, the fact that I've read the comic book. Uh, sure, I, I've just high up on the list. Yeah, I'm just saying I've pushed it onto the rainy day list rather than, you know. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. What else have I done? Um, I started watching. Watched the first episode of Only Murders in the Building. Um, I, I did watch it a while ago and and then went no I'm going to watch it with with my wife because I know she'll enjoy it so we've got the first episode in uh time for watching telly with the kids as be- <laughs> without the kids being around because it's not really one that I can watch with them being around so that's uh first one down I'm sure we'll watch a few more over the coming few weeks what uh, did you think of it I like it I like it a lot I've actually I've watched the first two episodes and I stopped watching them Mm. Um, because I didn't want to uh, ruin it, and I thought, now we can enjoy that together. Uh, so that's that. Uh, more interesting, we have ploughed through, I think it's the first three and a bit seasons of Young Sheldon. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is the take on Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory as a child. Uh, that's good. Enjoyed that. It covers his him growing up, his family. The actress that they've got to play his mum is just the bang on of his mum is crazy. The little kid does a great job of emulating what Sim, um, Sheldon would be like as a child. Uh, it's very, very well done. It's enjoyable. It's a good kind of, you know, American half an hour long comedy mm. um, sitcom. So that's cool. We've, we've plowed through that very, very quickly. Um, I finished a book in a couple of weeks, which usually means it's good. Um, and it's by an author. Now, I d- I've never heard of this dude, <laughs> but... I thought um, you were just going to stop there. It's by an author. By an author. <laughs> and then I've also been... Um, no, so it's a, an author called David Drake, which I've got a feeling is quite a famous author because he's got loads of books on um, uh, iBooks. Uh, right. They seem to go back like to like the late 70s when he started writing. Uh, majority of them are free or cheap, uh, and they're all kind of sci-fi battley novels right uh, so i picked one up that was suggested it's called red liners um and really good basically it's a uh squad of uh human kind of commandos for want of a better word uh that are deemed red lines basically they're they're gone past the point of mental stability uh through going through too many kind of war zones uh, and they're not sure what to do with them. Uh, so they set them up as a security force for a new planet where they've sent colonists to colonize. Uh, as with a lot of sci-fi um, kind of stories, uh, the governments aren't that great. So the colonists don't get a lot of choice in the matter. They just get told they go in. Um and then it's a story they land on this planet and basically it's like the worst planet you could possibly live in. Uh, the jungle is basically set to kill everyone 
like the, not even the animals. It's just that the trees and the plant life. So they're trying to get through this jungle because they land in the wrong place uh, uh, to where they should be set. And basically, it just covers their journey through this um, situation where they're pretty much constantly uh, fighting for their lives uh, throughout the course of the the story and how the bond with the um, the colonists and, and civilization and, and kind of integrating them back in. Uh, so it's quite cool. It's got a little edge of something else, uh, but lots of kind of fighting mm. and shooting and that kind of action stuff, which I enjoy in the books. Um, so that's cool. So then I've, I've gone on and I've searched him a bit more. And I said, there's loads of books free. So I started on one of those is really early ones, which is called the tank Lords, uh, which is um, Colonel hammer and his, his mercenary tank army uh, and they get sent places to uh to help out in different planets that have got kind of civil wars and they're up for sale and if you can buy them and if no one else can help then maybe <laughs> you can hire the tank lords uh, and they they roll across and and help out whatever war for money uh so i've just started that one it's pretty good it's very 70s uh- are they independent of each other? Are they? It's not um, a shared universe, or you know, what's the? I don't think so. Nothing indicates it. Uh, to be fair, um, I think like they may be from different universes. He's written enough books from the looks of it, uh, and I'm saying I'm talking about this guy because I've never heard him before. There's probably listeners out there, or there could well be listeners out there who've gone, "Oh my god, he's amazing." He's like a really well-known sci-fi author. I've not heard of him before. Uh, and his, all his books, well, a lot of his books are pretty much free. <laughs> so uh, is enough. he good? Is he not? Who knows? But I've enjoyed them. They're like, I'd say they were the sci-fi version of Mills and Boone. <laughs> 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 good, trashy, sci-fi, fighty book. Fair enough. I mean, it sounds right. All your street got, yeah, yeah, got it's that good. sort of aliens, um, colonial marini sort of vibe. That you yeah, enjoy. definitely. I mean, it's it's got a bit of an edge to it. Like, um, it's not all like, like the, the, it talks about them, like in their their kind of mental state in the the first book, and and one guy is is pretty much like completely nuts, but he's also an amazing scout. So they're like, we don't really know what he's going to do. But if we're going to survive, we kind of need him to be leading us out of here. But on the flip side, he's absolutely batshit and gone over the edge. So mm, let's keep an eye on him. Uh, so it's quite good. So that's good. And then last thing I want to talk about is the new season of Apex Legends. Oh, yes. There's a new map. It is beautiful. Uh, there's a new gun. It's all right. Uh, there's a new legend. It's all right. But the map... The new map is very, very exciting uh, for you non-video game players out there. You might not get it, but it's it's like taking it's like it's taking a holiday somewhere brand new, uh, and you're exploring all the different places, and you, you're getting familiar with you know the best places to hide, or the best places to pop out, or the best places to get high vantage to shoot down on people's heads, all those things you do on holiday. Um, and yeah, really enjoying it to the point that Dauntless that I spoke about last episode, we have not touched for a good two weeks because we've just been delving deep into that uh, the Apex couple of wins. We got a win on the first night, which was very surprising because uh, 
there's a lot of people playing, so there's a lot of good people out there. I suppose on the flip side, there's a lot of people who are just kind of popping on to see what it's like. Yeah, uh, and all the noobs. We also uh, hooked up me, Javier, and Chris himself hooked up uh, earlier this week, played a few games, also got a win. Although I'm not sure how, because we did spend a lot of time running away. Um, I don't, I don't remember which one we want. <laughs> I don't remember specifically. Did we not have a lot of action in the one that we came top on? I think we did. I think we was did. It, was it the one we where were... we were on World's Edge? No, it was the new map that we, we definitely won on, on the new map. Yeah, I don't remember. I had one good game, one really strong game, but then I'm rusty. I'm obviously not playing anywhere near enough to keep the skills in. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's very good. We, I, I'm enjoying that very much and that, that's really my roundup a few other things for sure but those are the main highlights of the last couple of weeks yeah. you seen there's some new trailers knocking around <clears throat> is there yeah there's uh the uh boba fett tv series that, that had a trailer out oh is um, it i'm quite looking yeah. forward to that i think that might be quite good uh no i don't i thought the trailer didn't look good at all actually oh, okay. i thought it was a bit bit mundane a bit pedestrian yeah um and then there was the uh mobius movie that had a new trailer out and the ghostbusters new ghostbusters film had a new trailer out i've got a new trailer i need to check that out excited about that mobius is that um owen wilson from loki uh no no it's the uh vampire dude oh right i got yeah i need so what's the name of the guy from Loki Owen Wilson's uh, cat? Yeah, I misspoke, sorry. Uh, the vampire dude is called Morbius. Right, I'm with you. Um, <clears throat> the dude you're thinking of is indeed called Mobius. I just had one of those. I just missed the letter out. Yeah, that's fine. It's, <laughs> it's very similar names for characters in the same kind of world. Yeah, although I don't think... I think this one's the, f- the fox... Um, Reality. Is there? Oh, what, as in the Spider-Man side of things? Yeah, but I don't know. I'm I'm a bit confused how it how the. I mean, they need to start bringing it together, I suppose, or making something something clear as to how it works. The Sony side. Yeah. 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 I think that certainly they're more affable than they were a few years ago with with uh, sharing stuff. Probably yeah. because of the billions and billions of pounds that they can get from doing so is probably quite a sweetener. Yeah, one one would one would think. Um, there's a lot of money. Well, Spider Man's like Marvel's most popular character, probably second to the Fantastic Four. Um, well, they've they not even done the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four is the most popular. Uh, yeah, they call them Marvel's first family. Wow, um, longest running title, I think. If uh, I don't know the exact factoid, but longest running title, largely considered the most popular. Well, I think Spider Man is the most popular yeah. from the Marvel uh, characters. Comic, speaking specifically about comic books, um, but then the Fantastic Four, I'm pretty sure, is high up there. I really like those original movies, the ones with uh, like, yeah. uh, Jessica Alba and Chris yeah, Evans as the Human yeah. Torch, and yeah. I think they're great movies. I don't. I've don't really remember them. I'm, I know I've seen them, but I don't have a strong recollection of them. 
either way. Yeah, good. They're like good, solid movies. They're not trash. They've got good stories. Right. Don't try too hard. Revisit them sometime. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know a podcast (laughs) that we could always talk about it afterwards. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Well, check those new trailers out, man. They're knocking around. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's Disney Plus Day on Friday as well. Or Saturday. What does that mean? So, uh, Shang-Chi is coming out on Disney Plus. Jungle Cruise is hitting Disney Plus. Um, And there's a subscription deal. If you sign up on Disney Day, you get like a discount or something. That's good. Well, the the amount of stuff that we talk about that is from Disney Plus. If you haven't got a subscription and you are... You know, keen on the kind of stuff that we watch, then I would recommend it. I think that Disney Plus has been knocking it out of the park quite a lot recently. Uh, yeah, and the archive stuff in there is decent as well, isn't it? Yeah, especially when they brought in the star kind of stuff and they brought in stuff that wasn't, you know, Disney co- like cartoons or, you know, Pixar stuff. They've really kind of gone back and got some old classic action movies and a variety of stuff so yeah if you are keen i'd definitely say that they they are they're the front runners at the moment netflix seems quite solid always does uh prime I, i've not bothered to watch anything on prime lately i mean i think prime has better film choices broadly speaking yeah i mean it's, it's annoying because sometimes it's free sometimes you have to buy it yeah that's true uh when i look on that app that, that i use that um uh what's it called just just watch. Yeah. Um, I'll often find, like, if there's something that just jumps into my head, I think, oh, I've not seen that in ages, I'll watch it again, like a random movie. Mm. Odds are that out of all of them, Amazon Prime will be the one that has it available. Right, but for free to stream, or do you have to pay for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, not all the time, but um, but bro- broadly speaking, I feel like it's got a wide wider selection of films and sometimes has better sort of like the film library is a bit stronger. Nice. Like Disney yeah. Plus, I'll always go straight to Disney Plus for the latest you know MCU release. Or your stuff like Jungle Cruise, you know, to watch with the kids. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, I find myself this. Yeah. I find myself very rarely watching films on Netflix. I find myself watching TV shows on Netflix mm. more often than not. Uh, but when I feel like a film, I tend to find stuff on Amazon Prime. Oh, well, there you go. Although they've got great TV shows. I've loved some of the series on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too, without a doubt. But it doesn't, recently, certainly we've been veering more towards when we've been talking about stuff, it seems to be Disney Plus that's uh, head and shoulders above the rest at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it depends what you're looking for, but I, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Well, all right then. There we go. Uh, so there's our uh, two weekly update. We'll uh, shepherd this episode on a bit, shall we? <laughs> yeah. So uh, our featured segment, our retro <laughs> review, is um, Goodfellas. So we'll jump into that in a moment, and then that's it. We haven't. We've, we're still sort of in this space where we're not preparing a third segment, uh, and we've not had a great deal of feedback to tell us. Bring them back. So everyone's relieved. Yeah. So we haven't. Um, so yeah, it's the classic mod extra uh, retro movie review. Uh, and we'll get started now, shall we? Let's do it. 
Yes, welcome back then, folks, and it is time for the Mod Extra Retro Movie Review. If this is your first time listening, then, just to kind of set the scene, uh, this, this in fact, was the segment, that the, the concept that the whole podcast was built around this idea of diving back into the archives looking at movies from years gone by that we've loved largely speaking since we're concentrating a great deal around the 80s and 90s which i think is just a reflection on our ages uh, and that's it nothing more complicated than that pick an old film watch it talk about it <laughs> that's a mod extra retro movie review and in this week's episode we are we are going to be discussing the Martin Scorsese 1990 classic, Goodfellas. We're tackling a beast today. Yeah, absolutely we are. Although I misspoke last episode, I said 1995, and it's not. It was much earlier, 1990. I think I was getting it confused with Casino. Ah, okay. Yeah. The one that I watched was a 2005 remastered, remixed, super episode thing. Well, it's interesting you should say that, because the Blu-ray box is in my hand right now. Yes. Uh, appears to be the same edition. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. we're singing from the same song sheet. Um, so I'll give you the blurb from the back. Um, Goodfellas explores the criminal life like no other movie. Directed and co-written by Martin Scorsese, it was judged 1990's best picture by the New York Los Angeles and National Society of Film Critics and named to the American Film Institute's Top 100 American Films. Electrifying performances abound, and from a standout cast that includes Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Lorraine Bracco, and Paul Sorvino, Joe Pesci walked off with the Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for his appearance in this film. Well, as far as blurbs go, that doesn't tell you much about the actual film itself, does it? <laughs> so, am I going to have to? I'm going to have to improvise a classic two Mister Six blurb improvisation. You ready? Yes, you are. Go on. Let's do it. Okay. So Goodfellas tells of the life and times of Henry Hill and his journey from a young teenage boy to a grown man uh, living in the mafia. And and they go up to bad shit and bad shit happens. That's a good good summary. Uh, I started well and then kind of lost, lost steam. A little bit. I was just because you said it was released in 1990 and it won a obviously won an Oscar. Mm. So what I, th- I thought was like, if you released in the movie in 1990, you'll be shit out of luck if you're looking for an Oscar. So I've just googled. I know this is a bit of a tangent. Films released in 1990. Sure. Jesus. What big year. This is a big year for movies. Let me like just scroll it. I mean, this is just first few that i've got from um google so i've not done any hunting but you're looking at edward scissorhands ghost okay sure total mm-hmm. recall it mm-hmm. home alone i know not for everyone but it stands up pretty woman memphis bell hey. back to the future three oh, there's no 48 hours hunt for an october die hard two Dick Tracy. Oh, Dick Tracy. Amazing. Uh, good for, uh, The Godfather Part 3. Air America. I mean, what a year for movies that was. Certainly can, like, compared to like the last couple of years where we've been COVID fucked, for want of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> like Ninja Turtles movie, that first one. I went to the cinema to see that. Um 
Gremlins 2, Predator 2. I mean, again, down a little bit in quality, but um, oh, I hope that we get back up to those heady heights of uh, of quality <laughs> movies being released. Didn't Dancing with Wolves come out in um, 1990? Maybe. I think that was another Oscar winner. I don't know. I've got a feeling Dick Tracy won an Oscar as well, you know. Did it? I remember going to the cinema and watching that. Flatliners. What a year. Unbelievable. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. It was. Um, But I thought, you know, not only did it win an Oscar, but it was up against some stiff competition. However, like you've got to think that Goodfellas is definitely on a pinnacle when it comes to movies. It was it was Joe Pesci specifically that won the Oscar. That oh, was it. Did it yeah. win anything else? No, that's what I'm saying. The uh, Dances with Wolves, I think, was the best film. That oh, year. okay. I misheard you. Yeah. So, Goodfellas, then. I, I'm pretty sure we both had seen it prior to yeah. uh, the rewatch. Uh, I, I mean, to put it plainly, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Do you love it? Uh, yeah. More than anything. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more well-crafted movie on every level than Goodfellas. Wow. Yeah, so I'm done. There you go. End of podcast. Thanks very much, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for coming. Nothing more to contribute. Watch Goodfellas. It's outstanding. It's it's an excellent story. We Last week, we spoke about Squid Game and how... It was a challenging watch that I wasn't sure if I enjoyed it. Well, it's Goodfellas again. It's, it's, it is a challenging watch. There's there's certain things that are you know gruesome and and you know they're not doing very nice things. Your, your main characters are are you know aren't the heroes that you would stereotypically root for. Um, yeah, I really enjoy watching it. <laughs> like there's an enjoyment factor in watching it, um, even though it's not. You well, know, Ben Stiller running around getting you know hit by a hammer or something. That that's that's an important element to his success, I think. Um, what you just described there, because uh, they are bad guys. You know, they're they're living outside the law, and they definitely get up to the worst of the worst in terms of no good. Um, but the the way that Martin Scorsese and Nicholas Pelleggi have have constructed the film. It starts with his teenage years and d- develops a romantic, attractive picture of the wise guy life. You know, um, like those early scenes he talks about, um, you know, uh, the police didn't give him tickets. Nobody bothered them. For as long as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You know, being a wise guy was as good as being the American president, all that kind of stuff. And he creates this very romanticized image and you know the cool suits the jewelry the best cars the women you know the lifestyle um and it's uh, and when karen comes into the story they then introduce this idea this element of um you know that they're not really they're not really doing that bad they only really kill other wise guys you know what i mean and and they're just robbing from these big rich firms they're just you know it's they're just robbing from the rich to give to the poor and we're the poor. Do you know what I mean? And they, yeah. they show even shows a couple of film scenes where the hijackings are um, 
uh, you know, innocuous. Like the, the 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 truck driver's in on it. You know what I mean? It's all nobody's getting hurt, kind of thing. And the only people who are getting hurt are the other gangsters. Um, and they're selling this kind of idea of the the family. You know, he gets he gets to, he steps out of court and he says, "I thought you'd be angry." And Jimmy goes, "No, mate, you did right. You never rat on your friends like the golden rule. You never rat on your friends." Which, of course, becomes so relevant later on in the movie. This idea: don't rat on your friends. Mm. Um. And they're all waiting for him. Like, hey, look at they're all giving him money, and they're like, "Well done, you've been, you, you know, you've had your first court case, kind of thing." Um, and sells this really romantic image, but then there's a turning point that then, almost like a big old slap in the face, tells us that it's not, it's not as glorious, um, and that the golden rule never rat on your friends ends at the water's edge. You know, when there's money involved. You're you're as good as dead, you know. Yeah. Um, and so there's a tur- the turning point is the heist, the Luf, um, Lufhausen, uh, no Luf, whatever it is, the airline robbery. Um, and then everyone gets bumped off. Yeah, as Jimmy then starts to take everyone out, and then of course it continues to take even darker twists with the Billy Bats element storyline and then the um the uh, the mistress and everything that happens with the mistress and you suddenly realize that this isn't as glorious it isn't as rewarding it isn't as amazing as we first thought and of course it ends with him having to betray the one philosophy that he was told you should never you should never betray, but he's left with no choice because they all turn their back on him. Once he's he's not an earner, they're not interested. So yeah, it's really interesting. You say I really enjoy watching it, and you know they they are bad guys. We're following antagonists. Um, there is something about the way Scorsese makes it so romantic and attractive in the first half of the film, and then just gets under into the underbelly of it later on. It's a lovely description. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, go on after you. I've spoken for ages there. Ray Liotta's laugh. <laughs> what do you mean? You're just funny, Tommy. What, what do you mean? Oh, that sounds kind of fucking clown. What is that? It's mental. It's laugh. Is that real? Is real laugh? Is he putting it on? I don't know, but it's weird. I've, yeah, no idea. I can't, I can't. I can't comment. Yeah, there is a lot of laughter throughout the film, but it's that that one bit where he's like, he's just like made a gif, gif, whatever it's called. I wonder if in the back of his mind, so like, if I laugh like this, give it thirty years or thirty-five years, I'll be a five-second thing, little video that people will message to each other <laughs> the, uh, uh, the in-depth searing critical insights of andy england everybody <laughs> thank you very much i'm here all week <laughs> uh, i like I the way that, that. <laughs> even though he's a complete twat like mm. you root for for um henry hill even when he turns his back on his like he's still and at the end and he's like my life's shitty boring now um, I like being a wise guy. I miss it. I like the most, um, even though like 
the whole, you know, they tried to kill you and you treated you like shit at the end. Uh, it's like, oh, I miss it. Now my life's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's because they they position him in the story. I say position him in the story. It's, it's, you know, it's based on a biography, yeah. you know, a, leg- a legitimate you know, uh, gangster who, according to his account, lived through all this and uh, went into the witness protection program and stuff. But um, it, they, yeah, they posi- they do position him as the most empathetic character. So he's the one. Uh, in in the first instance, we don't actually see him kill anybody. No, Henry Hill doesn't murder a, doesn't murder anybody. Whereas we see Tommy and Jimmy uh, specifically, just ruthlessly murdering <laughs> i mean even the barman the little bar boy in the safe <laughs> you know what i mean um and Henry whereas was the first one to, to go to him when they're like when they're like the bar boy like he's the first one over to him when yes. the guy turns up with a shot hand and he the guy's like oh i just wasted all my towels yeah like they, they give that character the empathy even though you know he's yeah absolutely and he's always the one standing between, I don't know, like the guy they're shaking down and Jimmy or Tommy. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's the he's the last barrier against the violence. And uh, even though he's, you know, he's he's there and present and involved in the the violent acts, he, he's never actually all that violent himself, except for one instance where he's there's a particularly powerful violent outburst from Henry, which is when he finds out the neighbor assaulted Karen. Yeah, but even then, that's like almost like justifiable. Well, not like, almost. It is justifiable. The, yeah. the dude deserved to have his nose caved in, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> Rightly so. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was absolutely. About his really short tennis shorts, but yeah. Well, they are. That is a crime. <laughs> Those a are crime. crime against humanity. <laughs> Although I thought you had quite a, a wide selection of short tennis shorts in it's not how short they are it's how you wear them <laughs> fair play <laughs> fair play but yeah that's the that's the only act of violence that we see henry engage in and as you say we you know we're, we're like well yeah fair play fair play gov smash that fucker's face in it's surprising that joe pesci like the you i hated joe pesci i suppose that's the idea and that's why he portrayed it so well and that's why he won an oscar but um He's the one that I don't like. I'm guessing that they meant to because usually the subliminal thoughts I have is what actually spent a lot of time kind of creating. But like Ray Liotta, I like even like Robert De Niro's character, even though he's a nasty piece of work, you kind of like him. Uh, Paulie, the big boss man, he's just a you know a, a, a chubby man who likes to slice garlic. Yeah, he talks to him like it's nothing. Right. He's quite nice, like you know. He'd go around his house and have a slap up Italian dinner. Looked very nice. Um, but Joe Pesci is the one that they make and not like, you don't like him. It's like, he loses his temper. He kills that dude, which ultimately means he died. Um, shot the, the kid because he had a stammer. He's He can give it, but he can't take it. So he can give all the bants, but he can't take any kind of criticism whatsoever. No, no. Uh, and, and he just comes across as like a knob. Yeah, just a massive psychopath, a complete loose cannon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
you're absolutely right. You're supposed to feel that way about him. I think it'd be abnormal or considered abnormal if you felt uh, otherwise. But he entirely represents the the far-reaching edges of what what can exist in that criminal underworld. Because all his behaviour is excused <laughs> or covered up, yeah. except for one thing. And that is the murder of another made guy. Yeah. Like he can shoot. He can shoot and kill Spider on a whim because he's because he's pissed off about like a drink order or whatever. Um, and nobody bats an eyelid. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, nobody bats an eyelid. No one cares. You know what I mean? He can get up to all sorts of nefarious bollocks, and nobody gives a shit. But shooting a made guy—that's what gets him. That's the one act of violence that was inexcusable from their standard. You know what I mean? When uh, when the restaurant owner's there to see Paulie saying, help me out, I'm frightened of the guy, he's psycho. Paulie says, what do you want me to do? What are we doing here? Yeah, you're right, he's a psycho. He's a, he's a, he's a fucking crazy kid. Um, good luck to you. You know what I mean? It's But yeah. they've, almost, they've almost deployed him, possibly unknowingly, from Joe Pesci's character, from... Um, you know, from Tommy's point of view, they've they've actually deployed him in the restaurant to behave that way in order to gradually eke their way in and do their insurance scam. Yeah, it's, it's clever. I, I, they lay they labour on the point, whereas that he can be made, but uh, Jimmy and uh, Henry can't, uh, and they they make it so they make it obvious that I mean, those two would have been a far better choice. Uh, but because they weren't, um, you know, full-blooded Italian uh, kind of family tree, that he's the one that gets made. But they can never, which I thought, well, that you know, you would definitely want to have Robert De Niro's character as the guy who's always wheeling and dealing, making money. Like they, we introduce him at the at the beginning as being like a the big dog. Uh, Yet yeah, he can't ever be made. Whereas Joe Pesci's just an absolute nightmare psycho although they didn't really uh he you know it wasn't out of sorts for the thought that he was going to be a made man yeah yeah that he had the potential to go the distance get the promotion um it is a little no fat for you did you know that joe pesci's mother in the film is played by martin scorsese's own mum is it yeah, I didn't know that. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that scene where they rock up at the house and she's like, "Did did he tell you about my painting? Let me show you my painting." <laughs> so, I like it. The dog, one dog's looking that way, one dog's looking that way. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? But that's, um, of course, the scene has a purpose because it's telling us how just cold blooded absolutely cold-blooded you know jimmy and tommy are that they can she says do you want me to make you some food and they're like no 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 you go back to bed you go back to bed she's like no let me make you some food i like it when he's here and then the next thing you see there's a cut and they're all sat around the table having a full you know <laughs> like a, it's not just a snack is it it's like she's made of a full dinner and tommy and jimmy are just tucking in conversing laughing joking and she says what's the matter with henry he's like he's quiet he's quiet because he's the one who has a conscience however small a degree of conscience yeah. is. Um, I mean, Jimmy, I think, is thoroughly unpleasant. And they make it very clear at the end of the film that the moment he is personally at risk, because he's obviously concerned that Paulie will find out that he was involved in the drug um, operation, 
the implication is is that he's about he's going to kill Henry, and at one point they heavily imply that he was lined up to kill Karen. Yes, yeah, yeah, that bit where it's like go down the alley, and she's like, yeah, no, yeah, I ain't going in there, and and that, and the sense is that he's you know the minute he is at threat, even Henry, who we've seen all the way through the film, just be a just like be a really good friend to Jimmy. Even helping him bury his bodies, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even him, the minute Jimmy gets concerned that Paulie will find out that he's involved or that um that he'll get pinched or whatever, that's it. Gotta bump him off. And and we know he's capable of that because he did the same after the, the um payroll heist. Yeah, with everyone. Yeah, I mean, literally, the whole, their whole, <laughs> their whole outfit. He just got rid of a lot of them, and that was just because he wanted to keep the money. I mean, I know the first one was because he left the truck out and he got caught, but then I wasn't sure if it was hearing more on the fact that he was paranoid or because he goes mental when they're like using the money. So I didn't know if it was if he was paranoid or if he just got to the point where it was like, Do you know what, I want all of this money myself. Yeah, I mean, it's never really explicitly pointed out. I think there's the implication is that it's a bit of both. Right. Okay. I wasn't too off the tangent then. That makes a change. No. Um, I still quite like the character, though, which makes me think maybe it's just because Robert De Niro's playing the character and he's the dad in Meet the Fockers. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, That could very well be the case. Uh, I mean, I don't find him particularly pleasant, but. I, I warm to him a lot. I mean, it's easy to warm to another character when he stood next to Tommy, really. True, true. And they, they do a big bit about how, you know, when you get bumped off, you don't get, you know, have an argument. It's done with a smile. And so he's always very nice and polite and um, friendly and, and, you know, tips everyone well. Uh, so he's got that facade to him. Uh, but actually, he's absolute cold-blooded, doesn't care about anyone. mm killer but you never see that side because that's that you don't see it that's just what it is this is permanent kind of face is of, of like charm and charisma yeah yeah but he's also sadistic he doesn't because when you uh, he doesn't hesitate to help tommy murder billy bats doesn't hesitate at all no. um tommy walks into the bar and jimmy straight away is like right i know what's going down i know what's happening and i'm in Henry has to take a beat and Tommy says, get the door, fucking lock the door. And he runs to lock the door and he sort of realizes what's going on. Um, so at, at that point you think, well, that's just him standing up for his little busy mate, Tommy. Hmm. Um, but later then it becomes more clear that he was only ever in support of Tommy because that was their route in. He was going to be their made connection. Um, and that, Perhaps he just enjoys the violence as much as Tommy does to some degree. Uh, layers on layers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because he he doesn't hesitate, but you have to wonder then: is it because he's really friendly with Tommy, or is he, you know, is he is he just doing it because Tommy is an asset to him? Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, and again, we, 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 it's never really, I'm just reading it. You know, it's like a textual reading of what I've watched, but, um, that's the way I see it because we know that he will, the implication is that he's turning on Henry and Karen at the back end of the movie. 
Mm. I like the way it covers such a long space of time. That's another point. Starts off like in the sixties, ends in the eighties. You've got a good twenty years. You get to see the the how they progress over time. So often, you know, a movie is a clip it of you know a few weeks or whatever. So yeah, it's quite, yeah, yeah. It's quite nice to see it, and uh, I think a lot of Scorsese's movies are like that. I, I might be wrong. No, no, I think yeah. Well, I mean, uh, probably some balance of the two, but definitely his most notable films are told over a longer period of time. Yeah, and it, it, I remember like the, the similar to uh, a, a very few episodes back when uh, I watched American Sniper and talked about that briefly. And you know, at the end, it doesn't tell you at the start like it's like same with that one like, that it's a actual you know live events or you know it's based on a true story. And um, when it comes up at the end, is like actually this is what happened, and this you know the following off this like, bloody hell, like the fact that that is even based on something that might have been half true <laughs> it's just like crazy but yeah that always hits when it's like you know, the characters then went on you like bloody hell and then you get like straight on my phone and i was like what yep. yeah henry hill and let's have a quick look at what and it's like bloody hell you couldn't yeah you know, absolutely you make that shit up he's, he's written two books um in fact and his son has gone on to write a book as well. His son, his son's story is kind of more about the, um, you know, the times they either got caught or being on the run or having to look over their shoulder, even mm. in witness protection. So his his story is a little bit more about staying in hiding. Uh, but when the book was published, the mob went looking for it. They put they put a price on his head and everything. I you imagine know, he had, they would. Yeah, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, when he'd sort of popped his head above the parapet like that and. And Nicholas Pelleggi uh, had recorded his account, which has led many to believe that much of what he described to Nicholas Pelleggi in the Wise Guys book is is somewhat legit, yeah. uh, and, and some of it has been corroborated by other other mobsters through the years. So, um, yeah, I mean, based on a true story, but a lot of it is based on first-hand account from Henry Hill himself. Which is batshit. It is, yeah. It's mental, mental to think they used to get up to that kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Um, so, yeah. Any other points? Um, the yeah, well, just to dwell on the uh, movement through the ages a yeah. little bit. So, one thing uh, I noticed, uh, I've always kind of been aware of it, but I noticed it more last night, kind of watching it with a. Uh, not last night, the other night, uh, with the Modest Dry, was that uh, the music moves with the time. All the the soundtrack, the whole soundtrack is... Uh, okay, cool. ...is sort of I'm laid impressed. out. Yeah, so uh, after the heist and the murder of the rest of the gang, there's uh, the Layla outro uh, in there, and it's it's almost bang on the year that it came out, you know. Um, and much of the other music throughout. So I just, it just stood out to me a little bit more watching it the other night. That was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but Martin Scorsese is always very careful about the insertion of music into his soundtrack anyway. He's a big rock and roll fan, is mine. Is he now? Yeah. Yeah, he directed uh, a, a very famous live performance by a group called The Band. Um, their final Their final gig in 1976. Um, and it was a, a live music performance being directed by Martin Scorsese. 
That's crazy. Yeah, he's very close friends with a musician called Robbie Robertson. He's hung out with hung out with the Rolling Stones a few times as well. Um, so there's that, and then of course I'd be remiss. We can't talk about Goodfellas without me talking about the tracking shot. Did you see the tracking shot? No, I missed that. What was that? How did he miss the tracking shot? Uh, it's when he takes Karen out on the first date to the restaurant and they go oh, through the back yeah. door. Goes through the restaurant. Yeah, single camera shot uninterrupted no editing no cut completely blocked out from the exit of the car all the way down to the table amazing did you like that i did yeah that's that's some that's some second to none directing going on there it is a beautiful scene it is just you know it's a scene of them going to a table but it is very well done yeah it tells you so much um, and then while I'm kind of in that ballpark, Karen as a character is someone we should talk about as well because she is a really fascinating element of the whole film. She is because she's <clears throat> just by far not the stereotypical kind of gangster's wife. Yeah, she's certainly not. Well, to the uh, to the extent where they actually kind of call it out at one point. She goes to that party and she says, they all have really cheap clothes and bad makeup and they're always complaining about how they have to beat the kids and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, and she gets, she shares the voiceover duty mm. with with Henry Hill. We, we actually get insight into what's going on in her head more so than any other character. Uh, and I think it's a really important kind of leverage point in the whole movie, Karen's perspective. Yeah, I liked it. It was different. Like you weren't expecting suddenly the 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 narrator very rarely changes. So by changing the um, the narrator over to to his wife, which again is a character you you might have thought maybe the narration is going to go over to Tommy or Jimmy, the the other kind of main, you know, people dealing with the you know the action, uh, so to speak. But no, like it, it flips to her, and it is a surprise. Uh, even though I knew it was coming, I was just like, "Oh yeah, this bit, this is cool." And then she, you know, she pops up a, a few times. But um, over time, I mean, like her character, like she pretty much by the the eighties, she's just as into it as he is. Uh, yeah, she's certainly part of the cocaine operation, isn't she? Yeah, um, yeah. So she's, but. <laughs> She is perhaps the most redeemable character of the whole movie. Oh yeah, yeah, she's thrown into it, and you totally is she? Get what she's... Is well, the blind yeah. eye? Is the blind eye as much of a crime as the crime itself? No, that's deep. Who knows? But she is. Yeah, you're right. She knows exactly what's going on, but she chooses to. She, you know, she she, she obviously loves Henry Hill. And she she loves being able to ask for a stack of money to go shopping, which yep. is, again is fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that the when he hands her the gun, the bloody gun, and there's a camera shot just kind of looking down at it in her hand with the blood on it, and the voiceover kicks in. She says, "Most girls, <laughs> when asked to hide a gun by their boyfriend, would run away, but honestly, it turned me on." And you know, so she's very. Because we've got that insight, that level of honesty from because we're getting her internal monologue. Um, so that's that's really a really interesting element. But she also represents the 
the the real human impact of being so close to this level of criminality and violence. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's the one she's the one who first calls out and identifies a lot sooner than Henry Hill. The the minute you are of no cash value to these people, that's it. You just you're valueless. Um from that first stint in prison. Mm. And he explains it away, saying, Well, this is just the way the way it is. That's how it works. We just gotta get through it. But she's the first one to say, Well, yeah, but we're a family. We have children. We have you know responsibilities. Um and he's like, No, just figure it out. And then the minute he gets out of jail, he goes, Oh no, this won't do. I'll sort it out. And he goes but straight back into the life. Yeah. There you go. I'm done. I'm burnt out. You now. did. You did. Um, give it a rating then. Out of 10, straight out of the gate. 10 out of 10. Yeah, full. Full whack for me, this one. Mm. Yeah, I've got to give it a 10 as well, to be fair. <laughs> Perhaps one of the greatest films ever committed to celluloid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got everything. Like, you'd want from a gangster movie well i think it's got everything you would want from a gangster movie because it is the template by which all other gangster movies judge themselves by now yeah i mean if you're thinking about gangster films the only one in terms of comparable impact would be the godfather uh, and I'd probably go so far as to say that Goodfellas is a better film than The Godfather. No, I'd agree. I, I, I didn't get on with Godfather. Then you've got Scarface. That obviously stands the test of time. No, see, I don't get on so well with Scarface. Um, something about it just doesn't sit right with me. Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco is very good, yeah. But it's not Goodfellas. It's not Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, full full on ten for me, straight. No question. Ten pews each. Absolutely, that's a that's a full ministry this week. <laughs> the pews are packed, yeah. and there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We would like to know what you think about Goodfellas. Is it as uh, as good as we're saying it is? Did you like it? Do you not like it? What are the bits that you liked? What are the bits that you think weren't quite right? Were you there? Would you like to come on the show and talk about it? Um, that would be nice or a little bit scary, but then we'd still do it because we'd be sat in our own homes. Um, <laughs> there you go. There we go. Okay, then. Well, so uh, we need a film for the next episode, please. It's your choice this week. Cool. I'm going to go for one which is a favourite of mine and a favourite of my wife's uh, and is, uh, as you... Uh, you told me earlier has just come on to uh, to disney plus <laughs> it's a, a, a i believe it's a john woo film it is yeah so hopefully you won't hate it as much as some of my other choices uh, <laughs> it is uh face off mm. uh, the uh, corker i want to have a quick google to see if it's suitable for kids because i've not seen it for ages well you know not it, my kids are, aren't kids but you know it absolutely is not <laughs> is it not i cannot rem- i can only remember a few bits um but 100 yeah. percent not suitable for kids is it not what bit are you thinking of uh 
Well, there's loads of bits. People get shot in the face. There's a whole snorting drugs and prostitute thing going on at one point. Okay, it's not it's that's a shame. Hundred percent, it's got an eighteen. I mean, I've not looked checked it, but it's most definitely got an eighteen certificate. I'd be shocked if it hasn't. It's no police academy. I'm not sure if it's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well there we go then folks let's wrap that one up there <coughs> uh, right outro time yeah mate that's that's. I'm certain it's uh, 18 16 plus there you go because it has it's own rating um, Disney plus so it probably is it's just, well it's the same rating as um... there's people getting murdered left right and fucking centre in Facebook face off and there a whole gross scene on the actual where they actually peel the face off. <laughs> I think there is. Yeah. Oh, my kids would be all right with that, surely. I wish you the best of luck. 18. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yes, there's a whole um, potential paedophile subplot in there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit, like, is, it just Wrong. doesn't, it just doesn't, it's not needed, is it? It's just not. It doesn't add or remove anything from the storyline. They don't need to have Steve Buscemi be a weird kind of paedophile that has a cup of tea with a kid, but then doesn't touch it. But on the same respect, is wear a woman's head whilst he rode a motorbike through three states. Um, they didn't need to make him that creepy. No, that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. Although I do like that movie. Put the bunny down. Get it right. Put the bunny back in the box. I sincerely apologise. Do you not like that movie? I bet you don't, do you? Uh, I haven't watched it in a very long time, to be fair. I've seen it a few times. The best bit of the... Well, the worst... The bit that always makes me chuckle is that they crash land on Las Vegas Strip in the middle of, like... um, You know, Las Vegas Strip, you know, it's... It's all glitz, it's all glamour, it's all, you know, public areas. The end scene where we're on a, f- a fire engine and it's driving through down the strip, it's in the mid- again, it's in the middle of hotels and casinos. They hit a bridge over the, 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 uh, the, the road. But on the other side of the bridge, when Cyrus lands, he lands in the middle of a construction site. Like, there's no way that that construction site just happens to be on the other side of a road in the middle of hotels. <laughs> like, a proper construction site with a thing that, although it's unmanned, is slamming like a heavy thing down and then his head gets squished. It, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't ruin the movie for me, though. <laughs> although you've, you, you've clearly analysed it um, in the same level of depth that I analysed Goodfellas. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that finer detail. Ah, oh, I forgot to mention the collars. Oh yeah, those awesome those wide collars. collars. Great leather jackets as well. Awesome those collars, the, the collars that covered the tie. Yeah, right. brilliant. But, well, they did. They have them. They were mental. Well, I'm assuming they were uh, period accurate. Yeah, I imagine it has a tie, but it's got no knot. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine Martin Scorsese was. Yeah, he's not going to be get that wrong, is he? No, um, I'd be surprised for sure. Uh, all right, let's get the uh, outro done, my man. Mm-hmm.
Well, there we are then, folks. As all things must, this episode of the Mod Extra podcast has come to an end. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. And we did. Yes, we did. Absolutely. Uh, so the rewatch is Face Off this week. Um, if you're playing along, then make sure you get it watched in time for the next episode. I uh, reckon quick- that Face Off is a stew favourite. I bet you it's, it's in his... It's in his good books. It's on his list. Okay, well, yeah. I'm sure we'll hear from him um, <laughs> soon enough. Um, we will remind you that we're you know, we're always eager for feedback. We want to understand, is this two-segment format working better than when we were a three-segment format and we did all the random quizzes and top ten lists and stuff um, in some of the earlier episodes? Please do let us know. Also, a uh, big favor if you've not already done so uh, head on over to a podcast review site preferably itunes or podchaser and if you're enjoying what you're hearing then give us a five-star review and pop a few comments down it really helps us grow off um you know uh, what's the word search engine findability thing optimization that's the word search I was looking for. engine optimization yeah that was the word i was looking for um so that, that would be a big help and also don't forget to tell your friends and family yeah, tell everyone. Um, that's about it, really. It's a good one this week, isn't it? Good fellas, what a movie! Yeah, incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Um, I could go on about it for hours. What a comparison to Police Academy, Police Academy <laughs> One, to Good Fellas. I mean, how many podcasts would you get that from, folks? I know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap that one up there. We're we're. I think we're a little tighter this week, actually. Might be a bit shorter. Yeah, I think we've done all right. Not too bad at all, my friend. Not too bad at all. So, folks, I've been Chris, otherwise known online as the True Mr. Six. And I've been Andy, a.k.a. Goodfellas, Wise Case. (laughs) We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye-bye.